Saves one life. Raise your hand if you heard any of those tiresome phrases over the past year and a half. I know my hand is currently raised. Millions of people across dozens of industries were labeled unessential and forced to lock down with livelihoods and futures crushed in an instant. And as government has continued to expand its power and leverage fear to turn neighbor against neighbor, a group of filmmakers have taken a stand and are determined to help set the record straight on the importance of following the actual science of the pandemic. Follow the science on lockdowns and liberty from the Sound Mind Creative Group is a brand new docu-series highlighting the stories of those negatively impacted over the past year and a half by ineffective government policies enacted in the name of following the science. With noted experts like Nick Hudson from Panda, the Pandemic Data and Analytics Organization, healthcare policy advisors like Scott Atlas, and telling the stories of business owners, families, and just your average everyday person harmed by these government mandates. Follow the science on lockdowns and liberty is giving us a chance to make sure the true stories of the pandemic are told. So please help us at The Brian Nichols Show in supporting the Sound Mind Creative Group. With noted figures in the Liberty Movement like Dr. Tom Woods donating thousands of their own dollars to this project, you know just how important this project is. So head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science to donate and catch their brand new trailer to the docuseries one more time. That's briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science. We can become great at doing the the things that we do well, the things that are, we focus on. Like I'm, I think our audience is great at selling liberty. I think we have yeah. been amazing at doing that. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. You start to ask questions that piques interest and get him to feel like, okay, this guy's actually got something that maybe can help me out. And then in your asking of questions and trying to uncover the real problems, build that natural trust. I know I went in the monologue there, man. (laughs) Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Happy Sunday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. And thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. Uh, I am, of course, your humble host, Brian Nichols. And today, we have our returning guest. And uh, he he fits into the role of candidate. So he technically is a Sunday candidate highlight series guest. But today, uh, we we rarely actually really discuss his campaign. So he's definitely going to have to come back and discuss his his actual candidacy more because today we got into a really in-depth conversation about rights. So Dan, taxation is theft. Uh, German Berman joins me on the program uh, once again. Yes, we go through uh, a really in, in-depth conversation looking specifically at COVID-19 in uh, yeah what's been going on in the world and, and how you have uh, one side of people saying, I have the right not to be sick, and the other side saying I have the right to live my life and make calculated risks. Uh, what do we do? How do we find common ground? That question and more answered on today's episode. So, with that being said, on to the show. Dan Taxation is Theft Berman here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Good to see you again. Good to see you again, too, man. How have things been over in Dan Taxation is Theft Berman world? Um, they, they've been pretty good. I can't complain. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at what's going on all around the world. Um, and I'm, I feel like I'm sitting pretty right now. Um, it's, it's just, it's nuts to see all this stuff. Um, 
I, I, <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good out where I am. I'm just shaking my head in disbelief from, you know, what where you are in Mexico. And people always say, America, land of the free and home of the brave. Are we brave? Are we? Because we're facing a virus right now with, um you have vaccines galore, so you have the choice to take your vaccine. Even the people taking vaccines are saying, it's not good enough. I'm not safe enough. And uh, where is the bravery? And I look at you, you're down in Mexico. And I mean, you're, you're chilling. You're, you're having a grand old time. And you see us and things are getting a little weird. And this is kind of going into the, the topic we want to talk about today, because we, we you reached out originally on Twitter. Um, you were saying to people, hey, I'm looking to get in some podcasts. And I said, hey, Dan, I know I know a show you can get on. And um, when we were talking beforehand about what to talk about today, we were kind of digging into just the, the idea of what's happening in the world right now, where I think we've, we figured it out. I think we figured out what's the problem, Dan, is that we have a different definition as people of what what are rights? And I think that's what we're going to do is today we're going to have to talk about those pesky things called rights. And let's look at it through the lens of society right now, particularly what just happened over the past almost two years, COVID-19. You have one side that we hear you have the right not to get sick. I have the right to avoid all risk in life because that's my right. Whereas the other side is saying I have the right to live my life and take that risk as I see fit because, well, I can make calculated decisions as I as I see the data before me. So right now, Dan, I think we have right now this big schism between my rights versus your rights. And what are we going to do? Where I mean, number one, how do we get to this point? But number two, how do we get out of this? This just constant tribal back and forth. Right. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. And like I see I see a lot of people, you know, trying to argue what rights are. Where do they come from? They come from the government. They come from God. Um, you know, it's all based on property rights. Um, you know, everyone's kind of got like a different definition of what rights are. But ultimately, what it comes down to is somebody who wants something, who wants to be able to do something, claims that they have a right. Um, so I think first what we can do is we can we can we can just distill down what an actual right is. Right. Because people say like, oh, I have a right. That means give me something. That's not a right. That's never been a right. What a right is, is it, it, it's almost literally the, the opposite of a wrong. If it's right for you to do something versus if it's wrong for you to do something, if you have a right, it means it's right for you to do something. And we have all these rights and we talk about like, is it is it right for you to do this? Is it OK for you to do this? And so, you know, like the example you brought up, I have a right to not get sick. Well, yeah, you have a right to not get sick. Then you have somebody else who says, well, I have a right to not wear a mask. And, and yeah, they have a right. But OK, like they, they're claiming that they, ha- they have these rights. But who actually gets to decide whether or not that's a right? Right. Because is it, it, it does it come from God? Are these rights that come from God? Well, where is that in the Bible about not wearing a mask or not getting sick? Does it come from government? Well, there's not a constitutional amendment that in the Bill of Rights that says you have these certain rights, right? So really, and, and even getting a little bit more extra- abstract from that, I'm looking at it like, no, you know what? Like, all of that is really arbitrary. At the end of the day, really, a, a declaration of right to say you have a right um, is just that. It's a declaration. Anybody can say they have a right to anything. But then the question is, does anybody object to that? Does it interfere with somebody else's right? And this is where we have the whole common law of people saying like, well, I have a right to this. And somebody else saying, well, yeah, I don't care. Do that. I don't, like, doesn't bother me. Go ahead and do it. But as soon as you say you have a right to something, 
And then it's like, wait a minute, that interferes with my right to do something else. Now we have a dispute. And that's where you would take it to court. And you would have like the common law discussion. You would have a debate. Everyone would make their case. And then you'd come to a conclusion and say, OK, well, it makes sense that, yes, you have a right to do this until this point, And then somebody else has a right to do this. So I think that's kind of what we're really looking at. And so, you know, with the thing with the mask, I have a right to not get sick. That's fine. Don't get sick. Go ahead and don't get sick. That's fine with me. Right. But then the other person says, I have a right not to wear a mask. And it's like, OK, fine. Don't wear a mask. But what happens when you get me sick? That's where we have these two rights kind of like creating a conflict. So now we have to have a discussion about that and say, okay, at what point is it actually logical to say you're, you're, you know, you shouldn't be able to do this. At what point do we say, yeah, you can not wear a mask until it starts hurting somebody else's rights. Um, And I think that's kind of where we are now is, is figuring out those rights. But again, it's like, it's like, what do you do when two people are making um, are making a claim and those two claims interfere with each other? That's that's ultimately um, the problem that we're having. And what we have now is we have we have politicians in government who have been telling everybody, you know, this is what you should demand and take absolutely nothing less than this. Don't ever compromise. Right. And so now we have a problem where, OK, you have these two rights that conflict with each other. And there's absolutely no reason to compromise. Um, there's there's no okay. Let's just let's just keep our distance from each other. That's not an option. Um, it's you know whatever I say goes, and the entire world has to live by this rule. This is the mentality that we have now, and that's that's like that. You you can't really look at that objectively and say that that makes any sense at all. So um, so yeah, I, I think there's there's some interesting things going on here. Yeah, yeah, well, you 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 said something that really it sparked a conversation I've been having with one of my coworkers. Um and it was the idea of this moral the moral good versus the moral bad, right? And how do we not only come to that collective just understanding and and you referred back to just the ideas of common law, but then you look more to well, how do you codify it? Like actually get it into how we're going to enforce this, right? And then that's the question. Not just how, but who, who's going to enforce this. And that's where I think we, we lose a lot of our our friends on the left because they don't get to the point of, well, there has to be an enforcement mechanism. And then what happens in the event that that enforcement mechanism gets taken over by the people that originally you were trying to keep away for the moral bads that they were doing. They just are able to convince enough people to all of a sudden take over uh, the, the, you know, 50 plus one. That's all they need in order to get that uh, the percentage in, in a de- democratic state. So all of a sudden you could have the entire enforcement mechanism of deciding whatever the collective rights were now going to the exact opposite. And, and there's no recourse. There's no means to hold that in check. So I guess it really it it begs the, the question. When we're looking, and you mentioned common law, I, I think we would see that, you know, in business, the business world especially, you see a lot of, you know, common law business practices. Is that is that the solution to to a lot of our problems is is getting rid of a lot of these overarching, very detailed, minute, uh, focused uh, issues in terms of regulations, in terms of red tape, in terms of uh, laws, and actually just say, hey, we're going to have a few overarching rules let's i don't know don't hurt people don't take their stuff and and then beyond that in your little areas you can do your own thing but you you have to adhere to those tiny little things and we'll call them the, the common law is that 
a middle ground towards an appropriate next step or are we just too far away from that so i really interesting um so yeah i mean first of all i think we should get rid of all of these these codified laws because ultimately what these do is you know okay let's let's say somebody manufactures a product and i buy this product and the 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 product ends up like malfunctioning and and blowing up and and taking my arm off. Right. I would go to the company and I would say, Hey, you guys gave me this product and told me it was safe. And it ended up taking my arm off. Um, and, and we can't have that, right. You can't go around saying that, that these products are safe and they're not, this is, this is fraud. This is you, you violated my rights to, to my right to keep my arm by, by lying about it. Right now, what the government does is the government says ahead of time, okay, we're going to make all these these rules that say, okay, a product can do X, Y, Z, and it has to do this and this and that, right? Now all of a sudden they're getting down into the details of, okay, well if you're gonna if you're gonna um, manufacture this product, it has to be a certain color. So now this company, if this company makes this product and the product is it, it's not harming anybody by being a different color, right? If they make this product in a different color and then they sell it, what's going to happen? There's not a single customer who's going to say, you know, hey, this product is the wrong color. I'm going to sue you. Right. That's that's not a thing. And even if even if that did happen, right, somebody would get to court and, and like you would look at this in, in a common law perspective and like, well, so how were you actually injured by buying this product in a color that you didn't like? I mean, you still bought it. Right. You still decided to pay for it. Um How how were you actually hard? How did it make your life worse that it didn't come in the right color? Right. And you wouldn't have a case. But now because the government has 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 prescribed this regulation and said it has to be a certain color, you don't even need somebody to make that claim. The government has now declared that they have a right so that if if a company makes a product in the wrong color, the government has a right on behalf of the people and the people don't even care. But they're saying they're doing it on behalf of the people to go to this company and take their money. That's that's basically what it is. Right. Right. This regulation didn't prevent the company from making this thing in this color, or maybe it would because they were afraid of, you know, of what would happen. What it really does is it gives the government the right to go in and take money from this company because they did something that the government already prescribed against. It has no consideration for what the people want. It has no consideration for whether or not the company actually violated anybody's rights or caused anybody any harm. Or did anything that anybody wanted to complain about has absolutely no consideration for that. All it does is it gives government the right to come in or, you know, the, the, the government is claiming the right to come in and to say, hey, we don't like what you did. We're going to take your, your money, your property, whatever. We're going to punish you in some way. And what's, what's dangerous about this is, you know, going back to the idea of, you know, a right is a right by declaration unless somebody objects to it. The problem is who can object to the government because the government is essentially the courts that are making the decisions. Like in common law, you would have the courts that would sit there and and listen to both sides and say, "Hmm, okay, well let's figure this out. We have two people claiming rights and there's, there's a dispute. Let's figure out some sort of rational resolution where everybody's treated, you know, as fairly as possible versus now you have a court where the government, it's a government court and you have a government on one side against somebody else. And the rules that you play by have no consideration for any of this. All it has consideration for is the rules that the government wrote. So imagine if I were to sit down with you and and say, hey, let's play a game of chess. I wrote all the rules in my favor and these are the rules that we're going to play by. 
And, and, but it's going to be a fair game because we're both playing by the same rules. It's just that the rules are written in my favor. And this is the system that we have. But if we get rid of that and we say, okay, no, 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 let's, let's look at rules that actually make sense. Rules that were created by people um, with, with actual issues about how the world works, we'd be in a lot better place. And, and I think, you know, and I always talk about how like, you know, everyone's trying to pass a law and they want the entire country to like live by this one law um, without any regard for the fact that, you know, I live in a city, other people live in a rural area. Um, I live on the West Coast, you live on the East Coast. Everything is different for everybody. And they try to pass these laws that everybody's going to have to obey. Whereas a common law system would, it would look at two people and say, okay, um, you know, you fired a gun in your own house. The government would just say, you can't fire a gun in your own house at all. Um, somebody else might, might actually have a dispute. I live in, in New York in an apartment right next to this guy and we have drywall and the bullet went through my living room. That's dangerous. That violated my rights to, to whatever peace and privacy and, and all this other stuff. You could say that, but somebody else living out in the country, they can fire a gun through their living room if they want, because there's nobody around for miles. So you can look at that and say, like, the government would come up with one arbitrary rule, which in one situation would be harmful for, for, you know, would be one person causing harm to another. And in another situation would be totally okay. And nobody would complain about this. No one would call up the government and say, you know, hey, let's, I have a problem with this. Um, and I think that's that's kind of one of the most important things about a common law system is it it looks at everything on a case by case basis, understanding that every every single case is always different. And I think that's that's kind of what what we miss when we try to come up with these basic rules and enforce them on everybody on the whole world or the whole country. Well, you know, it's funny. I train this with my sales team literally, I'd say, on the weekly basis on ter- in terms of focusing on making sure you're allowing room for context versus a binary black and white decision, you know, zeros and ones, yes and no's, and to actually allow chances for you when you're talking with your sales prospects. I know this is a lot of left field, like talking about sales, but like to allow a, a conversation, it's not a yes or a no. It's, it's, you're working together. You're wor- you're trying to figure out the best solution. And if you're, if you come in just trying to push a, a you know, this is the, the right solution because I say it is, you're going to turn somebody off. The same thing is true when we look at what you're just talking about in terms of government is if you have just that yes or no, okay, you, you fired the gun in your house. Well, because it says in the book that this is, this is wrong. We're going to put you in a cage now. Sorry that that's, that's, that's the black and white thinking. That's the, you know, the zeros and ones, the yes, the no thinking versus I think everybody should be nodding in agreement that the common law solution just makes more sense because it does allow for context. It allows for critical thinking it allows us to really dig into not just what happened but why it happened and and how did it happen and really understand peel back the layers of the onions and then you can really figure out okay what not only did what happened but how can we as a society learn from this right if you have a situation and you let's make it real look what just happened down in um in virginia with the uh, the i think it's La- uh, Loudoun uh county city something school board um it was originally painted this dad was the big boogeyman because um he was a domestic terrorist going after a school board and um Come to find out, you know, as we've we've started to peel back the layers of the onion, allowed for context, and in this case, you know, shout out to the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's or, uh, organization, they they really pushed into this, and it, the reason the dad you know went off at a school board meeting was because the school board 
including the superintendent, was shutting down his complaints that uh, his his daughter was raped in a, in a bathroom by a transgendered student. And they made it seem not only like he was, you know, not talking about anything that was really anything that actually happened, but they were saying they didn't even have documented proof of it happening. And there was no reports of it happening. But lo and behold, now we see that there was email sent out from the superintendent documenting, saying, yes, that this did happen. Um, you know, we've seen that the, the dad was upset because his his actual issues that he was bringing to the table weren't being heard with that context. So we're seeing why this is important. We're seeing that this is the, the most... I would say common sense solution, common law. Um, but here's the challenge, Dan. There are going to be a lot of people who are going to say, no, we like the way that things are. We're not going to change. So how do we help get those people on board? Because I don't know about you. I, I would love to see a solution like this actually take place. Thoughts? Yeah, Um I mean, I think the war on drugs is is probably a pretty good example because there are so many people who who um, are against the war on drugs um, and they understand that these these laws shouldn't be laws in the first place. Um, but then, you know, when you say, well, should we just legalize all drugs? Then you you have people, well, what's going to stop drug dealers from selling to kids at the school at the schoolyard? And, you know, like all this other all these other questions come up. Heroin in the streets. Exactly. And it's Everywhere. like it, it's like um uh, you know, as you start digging into those, you can have that conversation and say, well, I mean, like, wouldn't you consider that like, wouldn't you consider that child abuse or, you know, all these other different things that could come up? Wouldn't you consider that intentional, like causing intentional damage to somebody um, who doesn't understand what's going on? Like, like if you ask somebody in a in a rational situation, you give them these scenarios, most people will understand, you know, what is right and what is wrong. Is it right for somebody who's 25 years old to sell heroin to somebody who's 40 years old who wants to buy it because for whatever reason, that's what they're doing. That's what they're dealing with in life. And that's what they decide to do. And, and nobody's like, nobody's being held at gunpoint or anything. Is that okay? Most people would look at that and say, well, sure. I I don't agree with the fact that the guy's doing it, but like locking, locking him up in jail, isn't going to do anything. Right. If you look at, okay, well, so some other guy who's 40 years old is selling crack to five-year-olds in the school. Anybody's going to look at that and be like, no, no, that's terrible. That should not be happening at all. And so when you present situations like that, then you can be like, that kind of proves the point on its own. It's like, okay, so, so if this was presented in front of a jury, like this person would go to prison anyways, what's what's the big problem? Why do you have to have such arbitrary rules already prescribed when it's like when it's like none of this makes any sense? And on the flip side of that, I, I get it right. There's there's some degree of, you know, you you want to know, like, what's the outcome? Right. You know, you start a business. I want to I want to make this product. I want to sell it. Right. You want to know ahead of time. Are you going to go to jail for it? And if all you have to rely on is common law, then then, yeah, of course, it's going to be like, OK, well, eventually one day someone's going to take me to court and I'm going to have to defend my position that this is a product that I should be selling to the public um, versus, you know, OK, well, it's it, you know, this is legal. We know this is legal. We talked to a lawyer. There's already laws saying, that, yes, you can sell this. The problem is whenever they whenever they come up with a law that says, yes, you can sell this, it also comes with, yes, you can sell this, but you're going to have to pay us for a license. You're going to have to pay us taxes on it and all these other things, which, 
realistically, the government has no right to to do because they're not part- they're not creating the product. They're not selling the service. They're not they're not doing anything. They're just saying, hey, we want a cut of it. And and and, and in exchange, we will provide you protection. So if anybody tries to sue you just for the fact that you're you're in this business, we'll protect you and say, no, it's a legal business. You can't sue them for that. So I, I get it. There's there is a some there is some degree of of ironing out certainty by creating these laws ahead of time. But we have to, we have to weigh that out with the destruction that it causes with the fact that, you know, whenever we have these, they prevent people from doing things that, that really nobody would have any objection with. And I think what happens, Dan, and I would love to hear, you know, we can kind of just open forum on this. Cause I see this a lot with people who candidly, they just like being told what is and is not allowed. I mean, we have a lot of people who just they like to follow the rules and they just want them laid out to your point. They want to know what's the guideline, what's the the rules to the game um, versus I think there are a lot of other people out there who just they kind of go and they, they say, OK, I'm, I'm going to play the game until something happens where I can't play um, or I get told I can't do that anymore. Right. Because the, the rules of the game have changed based on what other people are doing around me and. I think it's it's trying to bridge those two worlds together, almost get like the yin and the yang is establishing the 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 sense of I hate using this, but like the sense of security and comfort and safety that the rule follower is looking for, that they know what is and is not allowed, but also allowing for the the, the innovator, the person who wants to go out and push the boundaries to know that they have that freedom, they have that right to do that. And I think that right there, that could be a great means to actually get things going forward. So, uh, you know, Dan, I think we just solved everything uh, in terms of, of rate rights. What are your thoughts? Am I, am I on the right path, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I mean, like, you know, realistically, I don't see I, I don't see this ever being settled um, to like where it's like, OK, that's it. We don't have to ever have this discussion again. Um, and, and so I think that's kind of why it's really important to have these discussions and, 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 you know, new generations, like we should be having these discussions. Whereas right now, at least when I was in school, they would teach us, no, this is, this is okay. This is not okay. Just do whatever the government says. Right. Um, without ever questioning it. And I think that's extremely dangerous. We need to, we need to question authority. We need to question where do these laws come from? Why, why are these rules in place? Um, because if we don't, if we don't understand what these rules are, then we're just going to follow any rules. And and that ends up with, you know, we follow all the bad rules also, and we never object to them, which, which goes back to the very original point. If the government is making bad laws, we have to, we, that's our obligation to object to it. Right. If these laws are going to be enforced on us, it's our responsibility because the government's not going to object to it themselves. Right. These are the people who are coming up with these laws. It's our responsibility to say those laws are bad. Get rid of them. And we need we need to be able to make that happen, too. Like we can't just say like, oh, yeah, we're going to complain that these laws suck like like cannabis prohibition that we've been complaining about that for like 50 years. And they're still there. They're still locking people up. Even some states have legalized it and people are still getting locked up for simply possessing, even in legal states, because they're possessing too much of it. Um, we've objected to these rules. We've objected to the government's right to put people in prison. But because, you know, they've got more people, they've got more guns, they've got more brute force, they're able to continue to do this anyways. So we still need to be able to have these discussions and say, just because the government um, you know, comes up with rules doesn't mean that we have to accept them. We we have to understand that 
that, you know, it is our right to object to their rights, especially when 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 the rights that they claim are interfering with our rights. We have the right to object to that and to bring this into a discussion. And we need to learn. We, we need to know how to have these discussions and, you know, so that we can actually change things. Otherwise, we're just going to say, you know, oh, yeah, that's 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 bad. They should change that. And, and that doesn't actually lead to any change. You need to be able to have a discussion, engage more people and get more people to agree and see that it's wrong uh, when, you know, the, you, you have, you know, so many people don't smoke cannabis in the U.S. So of course, they're just they're just apathetic to the entire thing. They're not going to pick a side. Like, yeah, it sounds kind of wrong, but yeah, whatever. I don't know. The government knows what they're doing. They have all these experts. Um, let's just do what they say. We need to learn how to have these these conversations so that we can actually change things. I like that because that's what we're trying to do here um, is is to change how we're having these conversations because candidly, um, I, I don't think I had to tell you this, Dan. It's been bad. It's been really bad from our, our side in terms of being able to enter into these conversations that people were having and actually meeting people where they were at on the issues they cared about and showing them that we actually had the solutions that could help solve the problems they had. They actually saw um, us more so as just men standing on corners screaming through Blowhorn, and that doesn't really help change people's minds, uh, which is actually the opposite of what you've been doing. You've been going out and actually making a difference. Uh, you've been, number one, helping bring insulin from Mexico over to Texas, avoiding the insane upcharges. We're going to dig into that really quick. But also, number two, Dan, you're still running for governor of Texas. Am I wrong? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong, but you are running for governor. Okay, good. I, am. That, I yeah. know those two go hand in hand. So dig into that. You are running for governor of Texas. And I know you've been doing a lot of work. Uh, number one, talking to constituents, going through and finding out, number one, they've had really, uh, uh, really hard issues in terms of getting uh, prescription drugs, especially with COVID-19 and the issues that's that, uh, causing a lot of families. And uh, you've been doing, doing a lot of work. I mentioned there, insulin. Dig into that. What have you been doing in terms of helping providing uh, cost-effective insulin for people, especially those in Texas? Yeah. So basically, we have laws in the United States that prohibit foreign companies from undercutting the comp- the American-made competition, right? So um, there's the 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 main company I've been importing is called Lantis. It's a German company. They sell these insulin pens, which are you know just automatic. They make it really easy to to um, inject yourself with with one or two um, uh, uh, not milliliters. It, <laughs> very small units of insulin. Um, and, and it's, it's very easy. And these things cost a hundred dollars in the U S I think they're three milliliter pens, right? So they're, they're, it, it's not a whole lot. Um, but they cost a hundred dollars now in Mexico and Canada, these, these exact same pens from the exact same manufacturer cost $12. And so what I've been doing is I've been buying them in Mexico and bringing them to the United States. Come to find out you don't even need, um, you don't even need a prescription in Mexico to buy these. And you, you know, we're told in the United States, oh, well, you need prescriptions because that prevents people from overdosing and, and abusing these drugs. There's no epidemic of people in Mexico saying like, hey, let's get some insulin and let's get high. That doesn't happen. That's not a thing. Instead, what they're what they're doing is they're basically protecting this monopoly, this cartel so that they can charge higher prices so that the doctors can get a cut because you got to go see the doctor once or twice a year to, to you know, to renew the prescription. Your prescription that's right. It, it, this is this is what the whole system is. And this is just one aspect of it. But everything that we do, the reason why healthcare is so unaffordable um, in the United States is because of all these rules. And so what I'm doing is I'm basically uh, putting my life on the line and breaking the law so that I can help some people and also point out that, that this is what needs to change. And people can say, you know, they say this all day. It's the greedy corporations and they just want to charge too much and, and all this other stuff. 
yeah, but these corporations are just as greedy in Canada and Mexico as they are in the United States. The only difference is the United States has laws in place that allow them to to extort us for even more money. And if you get rid of these laws, you don't need more regulations. You don't need price fixing. You don't need to come in and and, you know, tell these companies, oh, you need to lower your prices below. You don't need any of that stuff. All you need to do is get rid of the laws that are allowing them to operate without competition and jack their prices. That's that's all that needs to happen. Um, so, so yeah, this is one of the big things that I'm, that I'm working with. We have an organization, um, called free healthcare. It's freehealthcareamerica.org. And, and, you know, we talk about all these, all these different policies that, that are screwing the healthcare system. We don't need socialized medicine. What we need to do is lower the price. I mean, with socialized medicine, the, the big pharma and, and the, and the, the big healthcare industry would love socialized healthcare because all it does is it charges the taxpayers more money so that they can afford to pay these ridiculously high prices and and more people get and then they get to jack up their rates and pay even more for it because the government has to pay for it and there's no way to say uh, well I don't need that service it's now it's it's oh the government's already paying for it but you know what it doesn't do it doesn't create more doctors. It doesn't create more nurses. It doesn't do any of that. And right now what we have is we have a shortage of all this stuff, which is why the lines are long and the prices are high, because we have a shortage of doctors and nurses. We have fully qualified people here that have come from other countries that aren't able to work because the government says no. We have fully qualified people who are graduating from universities who are not allowed to practice because the government says no. We are. We have regulations that are literally restricting the supply of doctors and medicines and everything else. And, and this is why our healthcare system is broken. So we have to fix all these problems. It's not about socialized healthcare. Um, that's not going to solve anything. What we need to do is get, get the government out of the way so that people are allowed to help each other. If you can say healthcare is a human right, then you have a right to go to any person who you trust for medical information or medical help or medical guidance or surgery or anything else. And that person has to be able to give that to you. If, if that's a right, you don't have the government getting in between saying, hey, you're only allowed to do X, Y, Z because we say so. If they're doing that, it's not a right. Dan, taxation is theft, Berman. The website is danforfreedom.com. We'll include that in the links uh, attached in the show notes as well. If you go ahead and click the artwork in your podcast, catch it, it'll bring you to briannicholshow.com where you'll find today's episode as well as all 370 plus episodes, uh, plus all the transcriptions for, of course, uh, today's episodes as those episodes as well. Uh, with that being said, Dan, we're going to include the links for your social media in the show notes, but where for uh, the audio listener can they go ahead and follow if they follow you if they want to continue the conversation. Yeah, so I've been mostly on Twitter lately. I've gotten off of Facebook just because Facebook is becoming uh, they've always been trash, but they're getting really worse. Um uh I'm on YouTube, but YouTube's YouTube has shadow banned me, but I do have some content up there. Um and I'm also on Instagram, but Twitter is probably the best place to get me. Of course, if you go to the website danforfreedom.com, if you want to get involved with the campaign, um uh, make a donation, volunteer or just reach out and contact me. Um, then that's the best place to do that. Everybody's looking forward to your big hat today, man, but you let, you let this hanging, but hey, we still got taxation is theft, uh, snapback. I like it. That being said, Dan, taxation is theft. Berman, thank you for joining us on today's episode of The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you.
Have you checked out the new Brian Nichols Show collection over at Proud Libertarian? Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash shop and you can grab some amazing Liberty swag that will definitely help pique some interest from our good ideas don't require force snapbacks, Alexa overthrow the government t-shirts, question everything mugs, and of course our ever popular don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff bumper sticker. The Brian Nichols Show shop over at Proud Libertarian has all the Liberty swag you need. And hey, if you're looking for more awesome Liberty apparel, check out the rest of the amazing Proud Libertarian store while you're over there. And be sure to use code TBNS at checkout to get 10% off your entire order. That's right, 10% off your entire order from Proud Libertarian, including everything over at the Brian Nichols Show shop. And all you have to use is code TBNS at checkout. One more time, head to BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash shop and check out the brand new Brian Nichols Show store over at Proud Libertarian and use code TBNS at checkout for 10% off your entire order. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up our conversation with Dan. Taxation is theft. Berman, I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I think, uh, yes, it's a common sense approach to uh, a common sense solution, and that is uh, approaching it with common law. So, folks, if you thought today's uh, episode and the solutions that Dan and I discuss uh, actually make sense, well, please go ahead and make sure you give today's episode a share. When you do, of course, make sure you go ahead and give Dan a tag, and also make sure you tag yours truly as well at B. Nichols Liberty. Also, uh, if you have not had the chance yet, head over to BrianNicholsShow.com and leave me a voicemail. All you have to do is head to BrianNicholsShow.com at the side of the page right there. Uh, click the little icon. It looks like a little microphone. And yes, leave us a quick voicemail and I will play it here on the episode after uh, one of our interviews or uh, during uh, one of our conversations with uh, either Jeremy or Chris. Uh, which, Speaking of which, coming up on Monday, yes, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Jeremy Todd returns to the program. By the way, if you did not get the chance yet, check out our second episode of Cell Liberty that aired yesterday, Saturday. Uh, but yeah, Jeremy Todd returns to the program. We're talking sales, and also we're going to dig into uh, a couple other things that have been happening in the Cell Liberty world. So make sure you've hit the subscribe button so you're not missing a single time. We have all seven of our Brian Nichols Show episodes hitting your podcast feed. So with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off. For Dan, taxation is theft. Berman, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.